1: Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friend's still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B. But with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be.
2: If you're looking for an easy way to keep advancing your career, your skills, and your opportunities... Consider becoming an AdWeek Pro member. As an AdWeek Pro member, you'll get unlimited access to AdWeek content. You'll also be invited to member-only events, classes, and networking opportunities. Your employer might even cover the cost of your membership. Visit adweek.com slash subscribe to learn about our current special rate for new AdWeek Pro members. That's adweek.com slash subscribe. Welcome to yeah, that's probably an ad. I'm Ko M, and today we have a special co-host today. I have my friend and colleague Heidi Palermo on the line. Hi, Heidi. Hi,
1: Co. Thanks for inviting me.
2: Thank you so much. Um, you know, we've been working a lot alongside each other uh, for a while now, and you know, you're part of the Women Trailblazers issue. But before that, I want to congratulate you on your new role. Um, And if you could share a little bit more of what that new role entails for the Adweek community.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Um, I, I mean, it's an honor, right, just to work alongside our community of brand marketers. There's so much happening. It's sometimes overwhelming, just the amount of work and effort and collaboration that we're seeing. And um, mm-hmm. So, so in the the new role, um, I'll be focused on just continuing to foster that, um, giving our brand marketers a platform to connect with each other, share what's working, what's not, what's keeping them up at night, and how AdWeek can help to you know facilitate the conversations to help them just be better at their jobs and um, enjoy life a little bit more too. <laughs> we like to fit right, that in there right. as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like we actually have lives outside of um, right marketing. believe it
1: or not <laughs> we totally do yeah no it's it's been really fun and um, I'm just excited that's a lot of great work coming out of uh, this community and just happy to be a part of it yeah
2: I want to ask you a little bit more about you know what you're hearing from friend marketers lately you know of course we all are struggling with, um, the lasting effects of the pandemic. Um, but what, what are people talking about, you know, in the community since you are so in regular touch with them? Uh, what yeah. are some of the interesting topics and issues that have come out?
1: So we've been having, I think when, um, when coronavirus first kind of, uh, you know, reared its ugly head and everyone, we, we started going into quarantine a few months ago. Um, I, we started having community calls, right? Regular touch bases. Um, and this is before Zoom fatigue. <laughs> People were still, you know, real, it was still new, right? And so we would connect, you know, every week or every other week or so. And it's so crazy how even the concerns of two months ago have evolved, right? And everything by the day, there's like, there's just new um, kind of uh, challenges that we're all facing. But um, two weeks ago, um, Nadine Dietz, um, Adweek's chief community officer actually actually held two symposiums with around 50 CMOs brand CMOs and you know a couple of the key findings and takeaways from that conversation were one of the things that stuck out to me was the big concern for teams Um, I mean, these are, these are CMOs leading global, massive brands. And the first thing that they're concerned with rightfully so is their team health, mental health, productivity, Mm -hmm. you know, teams feeling okay. Um, so that was a big topic of conversation. I think, um, another thing that was brought up is just the future role of marketing and, um, you know, how brand has just gone from just being focused on products and services and, and marketing in the traditional sense to really owning the brand from the inside out um, and, and elevating the role of marketing to, you know, it's not just the external view, it's it's internal as well. And it starts at home. So I think those were the two yeah. kind of biggest topics that keep coming up.
2: Yeah, I love that. And from what I hear in working with, you know, the voices column and thought leaders in our space is also the idea of purpose, you know, being driven Mm -hmm. into campaigns, um, you know, Mm -hmm. redefining purpose within their own ranks. Um, So it's, I think it's all, you know, important conversations to have and, and sometimes heavy and complicated and um, just, just really thought provoking, right?
1: Absolutely. The purpose, um, you know, one of the topics was pur- truly brand purpose is not the same as cause marketing, right? And so mm-hmm. how how brand uh, marketers are trying to navigate even that landscape, that was another big theme that came out of the symposiums.
2: Yeah. And in the midst of all of these larger conversations, we're still um, dealing with other issues that have come to the forefront, whether it's social unrest um, or discrimination in the workplace. Um, you know in 2016, um, the New York Times had this uh, report um, headlined for women in advertising, It's still a mad Men world. And then in 2019, the executive director of Time's Up, Christina J. Pyle, you know wrote about how still too many women still feel vulnerable working in advertising and there's far too much discrimination happening. What we try to do in Adweek you know is to, um really dive into what communities are talking about and and these persistent issues. Um, have you maybe been able to also have some conversations with women um brand marketers uh who who are what are kind of the challenges um that you're seeing, you know? Uh, from from there,
1: yeah, we have, and actually you know we've had um, an ongoing series of diversity and inclusion. I mean that's always been a focus for us, but um, back in May we had our first um, DNI summit, and from that, there are several communities that we kind of dove into um, at that first event and then decided, And hearing from all the attendees and people in the community, we need to dive deeper in these. Um, So, of course, one of them was women in the workplace um, and uh, Shelly Zalas from the female quotient. You know, she she had led that initial discussion and we have had those discussions. And I think um, one of the biggest things that I'm seeing and hearing is just a lot of collaboration and not so much in. The, you know, we all know brands partner together, just a lot of, um, uh, partnerships that happen more formally, but this is just kind of like from the heart, like everybody mm-hmm. leaning on each other, everyone kind of, um, realizing that we can achieve more together and have that scale. You don't have to all tackle the same problems separately. So that, that has been pretty remarkable to see. Um, and especially women kind of learning, leaning on each other and growing and sharing all the things that have worked for them and really lifting as they climb.
2: Yeah. And I know that's um, a little bit of a stereotype, um, but there are studies that show, you know, women um, using emotional intelligence and leadership and, you know, heart led um, initiatives. And it's so wonderful to continually see um, many uh, female identifying women Mm -hmm. and leaders step up to the plate, especially during the pandemic. Um, And that's, you know, why I think this year's Women Trailblazers issue and list is so impressive. Um, You had the cover story in in talking with somebody who's had to speak up on several issues and has, uh, you know, run into some roadblocks. Um, What was it like talking with Gabrielle Union and what was on her mind?
1: Yeah, I was so, I was so excited, first of all, to have the opportunity to talk with, um, with her. You know, I think there's so much that we can see on the surface level. So if you've, you know, if you're familiar with her, even if you're not, um, there are news stories out there, but, actually having that conversation and hearing her story is just such a reminder of you never know what people have gone through. You don't know what, what has made them who they are. Um, and it it really does help to drive empathy and, and understanding. So, um, I, it was great. You know, we, we hopped on the phone, um, I you know I, I was able to um, just learn a little bit about her background even back to when before she got into show business and she has this incredible story where um, she she's a rape survivor and that really helped shape you know her advocacy today um, for women speaking up and having a voice and it also showed her kind of the the ugly side of the business and um, mm-hmm. she she has kind of taken that, it, it, another reminder that you can learn from the most horrible experiences and, and make and they make you stronger and help you advocate for others. Right. Who may have gone through that. So um, it was it was pretty eye opening. And, and she um, she's an advocate for, you know, just fair workplaces and fair, fair treatment of employees. And she really um, is doing that today with her own production company um, where she's a bit more in the driver's seat. Um, and so that, yeah, it was, it was a really fantastic conversation.
2: Yeah. That's, um, you know, so good to hear about more of the women, you know, just starting their own things to, Mm -hmm. to, to really stay, like you said, in the driver's seat. She also talks about, um, you know, this cancel culture, um, you know, the, the idea that, um, you know, she had to feel confident about that she was speaking of, not just what she was speaking out about. Right.
1: Yeah, she, she did. And one of the, one of the things she talks about, um, was, is around having this feeling of, um, I know what I have to lose if I speak up and that's really powerful. Right. So she, Mm -hmm. she kind of went into every situation, um, whether it was, um, after her rape, um, after she was feeling like things weren't, um, fair in the workplace, um, on, in different, uh, parts of her career that she knew she had something to lose and, and speaking up does not come with a price tag. Um, so that, that's something I think a lot of women face and, and have to make those conscious choices every day.
2: Yeah. I love that. And I encourage everybody who's listening to, you know, read the full pro- profile in the magazine and also on Adweek.com. You know she. Pledges um, to continue to, as she says, bust ass and keep fighting and keep speaking up and keep advocating for everything um, that she believes in. Um, and I love that she shares so much of, you know, her life and her opinions um, on social media. And eventually, we'll see, you know, through those projects.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I I loved about her interview, and it's so funny, she mentions how when she, um, you know, when she first experienced um, the uh, assault, and she went through that whole process with the company, she, you know, they didn't realize that she would become something someday. And here she is, um, celebrity, and she's been talking about this as a way to bring awareness to it for for many years now. And it's just funny, because um, she's, she's truly used her platform to bring light to the situation and help others, um, who may have gone through something similar.
2: Right. It's so sad that a public figure has to validate, you know, or Absolutely. Help really shine light, but it's also great that when celebrities really use their platform for, for a greater good, especially when it comes from, you know, terrible personal experience. Um, so that's wonderful to hear. Um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the the other trailblazers um, did any of of the the women um, stand out to you whether it was by personal leadership or
1: um, by brand you know I'm um, there's this list is incredible I mean you have a mix of media agency brand I mean people from all walks of life um, we had a chance to interview Judy John in um, the ongoing women trailblazer series and um, and she, and she's one of the, one of the women on the list this year, and she's a global C- CCO of Edelman. I just think her advice is so real. I mean, if you haven't had a chance to, to take a look at, um, what she has said in this issue, also as part of our ongoing women trailblazers series, I highly recommend it. It's just, it kind of, it kind of snaps you into, whoa, yes, you are absolutely right. That's, that's the, no apology, uh, apologizing. That's the career advice I need. So, so Judy definitely stands out to me as a, No nonsense woman. And I really appreciate Mm -hmm. that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Some of the other uh, people that I think about, um, you know, we have Minjay Ormus, um, you know, from the CMO of Visible. And she, you know, has been seen as a rising star in the Asian American community. And we'll have her as one of our speakers in our upcoming um, Asian American Summit. Um, But, you know, I, I think. It's interesting, you know, she says if she could change one or two things in the world, it would be racial and gender equity now. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's good that she feels like she's on the board of a company um, where her mission and vision match with her, her own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we all, there's also um, Rosie Ajam. She is the VP and GM uh, for Estee Lauder, um, working on the Aramis and designer fragrances brands. And Rosie is just she's just such a ball of sunshine. I really enjoy her. I had a chance to meet her at um, at one of our events last year. And she's part of um, she's just part of our ongoing community. And she has an interesting backstory. And I just love how um, she she noted that, you know, growing up with uh, just hardworking parents, she really wanted to be a working mom and a boss. And I could not relate any more to that line when she said that in her interview. Um, But she's she's always been a trailblazer in my eyes because she has really come from a different background and used everything that she has learned um, to to make her who she is and lead that way. That's always evident when I've had conversations with her. So I love that being a trailblazer does not have one definition um, and everybody is kind of carving out the path in different ways.
2: Right. And that's that's the thing. It's like, they're all so unique um, and they stand out because of that individual path that um, experience that shapes their worldview and shapes, you know, the solutions that they come up with, the leadership that they demonstrate, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really beautiful. Um, and one of you know, the themes of, I
1: noticed, um, yes. you know, in their in their things they want to be remembered by, if you kind of just look at those, the two biggest themes are help helping others, right? Service to others. And, um, another theme of just being a good person, a good human. I couldn't mm-hmm. think of any better time. You know, that's, that's definitely risen to the top as far as what brands are even looking at too now, right? Just being more human. Um, so I thought that was really interesting to see that common thread throughout them.
2: Yeah. As Delana brand VP of people experience and head of inclusion and diversity at Twitter said, you know, she said, um, You know, it's a big question of what she wants to be remembered for, but um, simply put, quote, I want to be remembered for being a good human, that I Mm -hmm. left this world better than when I came into it by living a life in service to others, uh, end quote. So, you know, these people are also moms, they're sisters, they're advocates and allies, and, um, you know, they're behind some of traditional brands and companies, um, but also newer ones like um, Universal Standard. Uh, I have bought a piece from them <laughs> during quarantine, and I love what they're doing because, um, you know, they're really trying to promote inclusivity um, and try to change the world, um, you know, peace with body issues and, um, you know, building a brand that helps change the way that fashion looks at women and the way that, you know, that holds a mirror back at them.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
2: Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting, you know, the the president of um, and CEO of Land of Lakes, uh, Beth Ford, is also on the list. Um, Land of Lakes quietly changed its logo uh, from, you know, having a problematic uh, image and stereotype. And instead, you know, their, her big initiative is to try to advance um, steps to help rural communities and really play a role in community. So that kind of dives into, you know, one of the last few points that I, I want to share and highlight with you, you know, how are we as women leaders at Adweek looking at community? I mean, how do you define community and support them? I know yeah. that's a big question. Heidi. Yeah, it, it,
1: it, it really is. But I think it, it's more simple than you think. Um, to me, community is, you know, besides the obvious of support and um, and just listening and being there, it's it's really getting to the heart for us at Adweek. It's really getting to the heart of what they need. Right. There's so much outside. Um, there's so much outside in perspective we could bring and we we certainly do but the real the real meat of it and when you get to what they truly need it comes from them and when you're able to surface those and connect the dots um and truly get i mean you could say that about anything about marketing in general you your goal is to get to the consumer need if you're pushing out products and services that you think are a great idea but your consumer does not what is the point so it's the same for community. Um, it really has to come from them, and your goal should your goal is um, fueling that community and fostering it should not be to um, to do you know push things out there just for the sake of doing it. It's really finding out what they need and how you can best um, best support that. Um, and, and the dot connecting, I think that's something, uh, Nadine Dietz, our chief of community is really great at. She's, she's chief dot connector and that, that does take, um, just tuning in and doing more listening than talking. Um, and I think that that's what community is all about.
2: Yeah. I, I like that you said that it's actually more simple than you think, right? It's leadership through listening, Mm -hmm. um, listening to needs and, um, knowing, you know, how the dots connect, when they connect and how to make that connection even stronger. Um, you know, the dictionary definition of community, one of them is, you know, a group, um, that shares common interests. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think for us, our marketing ad week community, you know, we, we want to tell stories. We want to change perceptions. Like that's why we're all here, right. As, as brand marketers and storytellers and, um, uh, you know, it's not, it's all in service of, of various demographics, communities. Groups. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, any last thoughts on, uh, being, being a woman in 2020 <laughs> and a trailblazer in your own way?
1: <laughs> oh, why thank you. I, I feel like everybody has a, a trailblazer in them. I know that sounds super cliche, but the second we all start believing that and truly, um, living that, I think we'll all be in a better place. There'll be more confident women. Um, and we'll get out of our own way. I think that's, that's really critical. No matter where you come from, no matter how old you are, no matter what your job is. I mean, we're, we're all trailblazers in different ways.
2: Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I think, um, people, not only have to get out of our own ways, but you know we work to lift each other up, um, especially with the communities that that need it. And um, that's a really inspiring way to to end this segment. In terms of, um, you know, you don't have to do the same thing as every everyone exactly. else. Exactly. Uh, you make change in your own way, in little ways, in big ways that have ripple effects. You know, even for yourself. So, yep. thank you for bringing up that idea of you know, confidence as we talk about community and connection as, as women.
1: Absolutely. And Hey, if you need a little extra push, uh, it's inspiration. Check out our, our list, right? You've got tons of women, you know, we're constantly showing, showcasing people's different stories and advice. Um, so it never hurts to get that, that extra bit of motivation that you need.
2: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And having, you know, different points of views from different companies and different ranks too. So, Heidi Palermo, thank you for your time. Again, congrats on the new role and especially on this uh, great cover story. Thank you
1: so much, Co. It was a pleasure talking to you.
2: And next up, we have a reprise of our Adweek Together series. We'll be looking at a few different best of examples of augmented reality with our Adweek Academic Council member. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you an Adweek Pro member? If so, we hope you've been enjoying unlimited access to Adweek content, including special reports on the future of marketing's hottest categories. If you're not an Adweek Pro member, now's the perfect time to join. We've got a ton of amazing member-only events and resources on the way, and you won't want to miss them. Your employer might even be interested in covering the cost of your membership. Visit adweek.com offer to find our current special offer for new Adweek Pro members. That's adweek.com offer. Today, we have a very interesting topic. Uh, It's kind of about experiential marketing, but really, we're going to dive into AR and augmented reality. And to do that, we're joined by Brock University Marketing Professor and our Adweek Academic Council member,
0: Yo Schultz. Hi. Hi, cool. How are you doing?
2: I'm great. How was your weekend?
0: Oh, it's great. Um, like having a long weekend. Uh, and we just also finished on Friday our augmented reality marketing class, the first in the world at Brock University.
2: Wow, yeah, end of uh, the semester uh, in what's been a really incredible year. Um, and it was a quiet weekend, I think, for both of us. Um, you know, we didn't really have fireworks at least the way that we've traditionally have seen them. but, Um, brands have kind of stepped in uh, to create those kind of similar experiences. Before we begin, I want to get um, kind of a textbook definition from you on what AR is or what it's kind of becoming.
0: Sure. Um, AR, augmented reality, is when we overlay digital information over the physical environment. And um, like a good thing to think about is um, in terms of you are in your room like just now and on your table somewhere like there would be maybe a vase displayed if you wanted to buy a vase or if you wanted to kind of put a picture on your wall and you weren't quite sure yet which one is a good one or what size looks good. So you're staying in your environment and that's a bit different from virtual reality, for example, where you take yourself out of the environment. So AR is really in our real world and we just augment it here and there with some digital objects.
2: Yeah, that does remind me, by the way, this is real, but, you know, I think Home Depot had an app where you can kind of visualize uh, in real time, but in an alternate reality, uh, what, you know, it might look like actually on the wall. Um, I want to get to an example that Canada put up for their Independence Day. Can you tell me a little bit about what Tim Hortons did to emulate fireworks displays?
0: Yeah, for sure. It was really fun. I, I joined in in that fun. Um, so Tim Hortons is the most Canadian brand that comes to my mind, of course. So it's like coffee house everywhere. And uh, Canada Day is on July first. And Canada, even though they're doing quite well with the COVID crisis, they shut everything down quite aggressively, and they're slowly reopening. But the fireworks displays, there were kind of for the site, for the public, Uh, and so Tim Hortons came in and said, like, how about we kind of create this AI experience around fireworks, so what you did was you just took your phone, you went into a web page, and that was not an app, you didn't have to download anything, you just went onto that web page, and then at 10 p.m. on July 1st, it went live, and you would just direct it to the sky, and then you would see traditional fireworks kind of coming up, like the one we know, right, so like, blue and white and red, especially red and white in Canada, uh, but also some other structures appear, more like things you couldn't do in normal life, but with AR you could do. So Canada being Canada, uh, they had like a maple leaf exploding in the sky, they had a beaver and hockey sticks, so they were a little bit more elaborate in their uh, shapes.
2: Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point that it can not only replace something, but with added features, it can enhance something. And the point is to try to make it really exciting. And the fact that Canada did it where you didn't have to download another app makes it more accessible. So the next example that we wanted to bring up was Budweiser's um, because Budweiser has sometimes traditionally done campaigns where, you know, it's limited to a group of influencers. So what did they do? What have they done to kind of evolve their campaigns?
0: Yeah, so Budweiser is really good at experiential marketing, that is for sure. But the limitation of traditional experiential marketing is always that it has a very limited reach. And you would either, as, as you said, get a couple of influences in, in like a hotel, like that happened earlier this year, and make an experience for them and then hope that they talk about it online. But AR allows brands to provide an experience at scale for everybody to just join in. And so Budweiser did, and I think he just set up this uh, lens, if you want to bring it up again. Um, It kind of helped us consumers, and that's a couple of years back, transform ourselves into Uncle Sam for Independence Day. And that really fits, right? Because first of all, it's me doing that. I'm not just watching an influencer doing it. It's me doing it. So I'm personally engaged. But it's also fitting with like, this entire brand narrative Budweiser has created over years. Like, Budweiser is the all-American brand. Like, uh, like Tim Hortons is Canadian brand. Budweiser is the American brand. One is coffee, the other one is beer. That kind of gives you a hint, maybe. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I think always it makes a huge difference if this experience kind of piggybacks on a very well-established brand story. And, and just think for a moment, there was like a brand that did that same filter in AR on Independence Day, but they weren't associated necessarily as the All-American beer. You would feel like that this is maybe very opportunistic or something like this, or it, it would seem cheap. But in a brand that has created this long lasting brand image of being uh, like this, this very uh, uh, um, national brand, That makes sense. And that's a good trick if you think about these AR marketing campaigns. You want to help Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you wanna you wanna give customers a way to kind of put themselves inside brand narrative, but that space needs to be created first, right? So if you don't have a well-established brand narrative, then there is no good place for customers to insert themselves and there's little control you have as a marketer, but the more you have that brand story established in the outset, the more effective AR is going to be.
2: That's a really good point about how you need the brand awareness first before you have the brand extension through experiential and then in a more specific way through AR. Um, I think bigger brands are have the budgets, too, to kind of dive in. Um, with these kinds of experiences, and really try to shift people's perspectives. So I know another big brand like Adidas um, transformed their entire store into something else, right? Something else to kind of tell a newer brand story. What happened there? And I think it's an interesting example, because the pandemic has closed a lot of stores. But what does this example demonstrate for us?
0: Yeah, I, I love that example. Like, and I, I think Adidas is doing so many great things, and um, it, it fits again into this idea of you have a certain brand narrative you're already following through, and then you just add the AR to it. So, in Adidas' case, uh, they're known for uh, affecting positive change through sports and innovation in sports, and they partnered up with Parley for Oceans, which is an organization that raises awareness for uh, like our our oceans and the health of our oceans. And then they used uh, recycled marine plastic to create, I think, 11 million running shoes or something like this. And and so this is already great from the company. And then you walk into their store, and that was earlier this year before they closed, of course, uh, and you would, in this case, download an app, you would point it towards video display, and then suddenly you are immersed in water around you. And so right now, it is, of course, only through this small little window of our screens we have but in the future three to five years from now this will be like a more immersive environment once we have smart glasses on and you would look around you and you would see a whale floating by but you would also see like a lot of plastic pollution coming into the ocean and then it creates again like a a place where the brand story is presented to me as a stage so to speak i as a customer can place myself into that brand story that whole store, as you mentioned, cool, like it transforms and shifts my perspective. And I and this is like such a cool picture of it that you see the whale and the plastic around it, and you have this very emotional reaction to it. But you also can take actions already. So you can tap on the plastic, you collect the plastic out of the water. Wow. And of course that isn't the real deal, but it's simulating action. And that simulating action does something to us, So like we saw this in other things as well. When we simulate giving blood, for example, there's a higher chance that we then actually go about donating blood. And so that little step, that mini step you do and you realize that, oh, I could do that, maybe makes you pick up some plastic the next time you're visiting the beach.
2: Right. And the simulation still kind of tells the brain that this is yeah. a real thing. So. In addition to that, with the emotional power of something like this, it definitely creates some kind of impact that will lead later potentially to conversion, as you're saying. Is this one a good example of a good balance between a passive, um, immersive experience and versus an active, engaged, pulling in kind of immersive experience, in your opinion?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great example because it combines actually, um, like, the, the conversion with the experience, right? So, like, you're already doing this in the store, and that doesn't necessarily have to be in the environment. I think in the future, like, those experiences can be uh, created a lot more large scale. Um, but at the end of that experience, because the way the experience is kind of unfolding, you will get information about the shoe. And then you can think about what is the next step, right? And uh, a lot of news have been made recently about augmented reality in an e-commerce setting, especially with the shuttering of stores. You uh, can then go the next step and see like, how would that shoe look like on my own feet? So I pull down, I kind of am the same uh, uh, application still. I just tap a button, point the lens to my feet, and then I see the shoes being overlaid over my feet and then I could decide to kind of buy them or not and then they're going to be delivered to me. So you would have like this complete kind of um, kind of purchase journey like but it starts with excitement and I think that is important for me. I think right now yeah, um, because all of the wonderful tools we've gained over the last two years really focused on this last bit of the journey, the conversion bit, because I could see how The product looks like on me, on my space. But as marketers, we are interested in creating excitement as well, and we are excited about like emotional reactions. And I don't think just seeing a product visualization will do that for us. But having a transformation of our environment, taking a new perspective, I think that is the potential of AI, and it's great to see how those two things come together.
2: Yeah, and that's what you mean by AR not just being a tool for e-commerce, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think in the beginning of AR, so I'm researching AR and teach about AR for five, six years now. And in the beginning, a lot more examples I saw were about that experiential marketing component. And then it shifted totally over into like uh, e-commerce and product visualization because we got tools to do that. And it was a lot easier. And I think in the next future we will see this shifting back again and there are certain infrastructure developments right now happening that make me very confident in this. So Apple, for example, recently announced um, a new way uh, of kind of tying in geographic information into augmented reality experiences. They call these location anchors. Um, There are other companies that negotiate with buildings and other properties downtown. So I, as a marketer, could actually rent that virtual space around a bus shelter on scale. So like there are a lot of new infrastructure developments that I believe in the next couple of years will make those type of experience as accessible for marketers as these e-commerce tools are today.
2: Yeah, and it seems like they're going to come sooner than we can imagine. Um, There is an example of... Kind of something anchored in place, the campaign for United Way with the hashtag unignorable. How did that work and what did that that really show?
0: Yeah, so like that is a campaign in Toronto and like that image is very telling. That small tower next to the big tower is the CN Tower in Canada or in Toronto, which is the tallest building in town. And, and it just gives you an idea of the scale of that virtual tower next to it. And that's two and a half times the size or the, the height. Uh, and the idea was that there are over 160,000 people in the greater Toronto area that struggle with putting a roof over their head. And that is one of those problems that are way too easy to ignore. And then United Way looked for a solution to kind of really drive that point home again in a very emotional way. And, and the solution was, let's, let's imagine how a tower would look like to give a place to live for all of those individuals and families. And, and what I love about this is that, that when we normally talk about helping us to imagine something, we are, with augmented reality, we're talking about imagine how that lipstick would look on my face or how that couch would look in my living room. Those are very small things to imagine. Like there, there's a very small step. This is something we are surrounded by every day. United Way and their partners—they found a way to imagine something that is incredibly hard to imagine. And they mm-hmm. used uh, like central location. Uh, and I think that that is really powerful. And it's also showing um, it's also showing the power of augmented reality experiences. So, like. I don't know, many of your audience probably they know Star Wars and the famous kind of scroll in the beginning is uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then the movie starts. And and so the idea which we play around in marketing is tell the story and then we hope that consumers transport themselves into that story world. But that story is in a galaxy far, far away. And then once they return from that story... The hope is that they are coming back somehow changed. They have different attitudes or more likely to behave in certain ways. The data isn't quite out yet on that. Uh, like I'm still doing my research in the context of Pokemon Go there. But my strong suspicion is that if that story unfolds in your normal reality and then it just creates this alternate reality you mentioned earlier, Ko, that that has to have a bigger effect than a story far, far away.
2: Yeah, I, I love that analogy. Um, I kind of want to leave you with the last question of, you touched on this a bit, but where, where do you think um, AR is going to go? Back to that pendulum swing that you talked about and how do brands kind of get involved or think about that? Especially, you know, if they're not really big brands.
0: I, those are two really good questions. Um, but let's let me try to tackle the first one first. Uh, the uh, the pendulum I think swung all the way to the other side now it's coming back, but it will kind of hopefully end up in these integrated ways you and I already talked about today, right? So as as a marketer, there's often that that tension between performance marketing and brand building marketing, right? And and we need both to be successful and steward uh, being a success, successful steward of our brands. Um, now the idea with AR is that you can create experiences that are actually seamlessly tied in to uh, online shopping solutions, and and that's a key difference, right? If you think about traditionally, you had maybe like a storefront, and then or maybe like an online store, and then you had like crazy experiences somewhere else, but there was always like this gap, and AR can close this gap. And that's why I think there's a huge opportunity for marketers. And I think also that makes it very um, encouraging for us to kind of move into like these more um, holistic experiences tying over into um, conversion oriented e-commerce applications. In terms of the smaller uh, companies you mentioned, the good thing is that AR itself doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, obviously, it has some costs associated with it in terms of developing, etc. But the media costs um, could be relatively small. Like, for example, if you already have an uh, app installed, you can just add it to your component, uh, or the AR star, um, experience to your app, and then you have that already in your established own media channel. Or if you wanted to uh, work with uh, geocoded uh, Snapchat lenses. That is relatively affordable. And if you went uh, and printed out these uh, snap codes, that's very affordable because you pretty much bring your media costs down to zero. And then developing them, of course, that you need to have somebody who's doing that for you. But um, these big companies like Spark with Facebook and uh, Snap Studio by Snapchat and other places, they're giving developers a lot of easy to use tools to kind of create experience around it. I think the biggest focus for every company, regardless of size, is that they have to gain competence in alternate reality mm. marketing. Right? And there's like a perception out there that the the benefit of AR hasn't been proven yet. I think about like sixty-nine percent of marketers who were surveyed last year were under the impression that we just don't know the ROI impact of AR yet. And and I, I think that's just not true any longer. Like there has been a lot of examples right now that demonstrate this is really working. And the ROI is often substantially higher than traditional forms of advertising. Um, But there is a very real uh, stumbling block, and that is that also around two-thirds of surveyed marketers said that we just don't know about AR enough. We we don't understand how to use it, what to use it for, what do we have to kind of look out for. And I call this the competence gap uh, with companies. And I think a great way is to kind of look for places uh, like universities that are incorporating augmented reality in their curriculum. Like at Brock University, I started there last year, uh, coming over from California, and the goal was with Brock University that we become like the uh, center of excellence for AR marketing. And our first students are graduating, actually in the next couple of weeks with AR marketing experience. And they created an AR marketing application for a national wine brand in Canada. So as a company, I would look for like, who are uh, places that have really embraced that new technology in terms of universities so we can hire from them, in terms of agencies so that we can kind of get expertise in there. And then over time, build in-house expertise on that topic.
2: I love that. Well, thank you for helping us close the competency gap here and keeping track of what's happening, all that's exciting in the world of AR and experiential. I want to thank you for your time and expertise, Professor Yo Schultz, and part of our academic council here at Adweek.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Cole. That was a lot of fun.
2: Yes, so much fun. We have many more conversations ongoing this summer for Adweek Together. Next week, we're going to be joined by Coltrane Curtis from Team Epiphany, uh, an agency, and we're going to talk about the future of culture. And of course, a reminder to sign up for your Adweek subscription at adweek.com offer to unlock unlimited access to all of our essential content and resources. That's all for now. I'm Ko M. Have a great week. And thank you for listening to this edition of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. I'm co-im. David Greiner will be back with us on our next episode. Please be sure to leave us a review and hit subscribe. You can also find more content on adweek.com. Have a good one.